Hi, I'm Steve Hayes, and I'm a pastor, and I'm a sinner, and I love stories. I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear how God has worked in their lives to help change them and make them who they are. And I think we all need to hear those kinds of stories. So I hope you'll enjoy it and listen along with This Is My Story. I'm Derek Kester, and this is my story. Well, welcome to This Is My Story with Steve Hayes. We are here today with Derek Kester. Derek is the executive director of Compassion Corsicana, which is a uh, charity in our town that is really um, near and dear to my heart, something that I've been involved with for a while. And uh, we'll get into the specifics of Compassion Corsicana in a little bit. But Derek, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Glad to be here, brother. And um, I'm learning more and more about you as we kind of develop our friendship. But uh, I found out just this morning that you're a big soccer fan. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Well, you know, I never really played soccer or anything growing up. But a few years ago, I got invited to a professional soccer game by a friend and just kind of got hooked man just the pace of the game the intensity I mean I think the athleticism yeah and you know the fact that you can watch a soccer game and you still have your day left you know some other sports it's in a day long you know marathon right. so soccer is quick enough that I feel like you can enjoy your game and then go about your day and so, my wife played growing up too so okay <clears throat> so yeah I <clears throat> I don't know a whole lot about soccer other than I coach my kids teams nice but one of the things about soccer that has always amazed me is how just the incredible shape those folks are in. I mean, how do they run that whole time and not just collapse? Um, superhuman, I guess. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, just their fitness and their nutrition is, you it's know, gotta be next the most, level. It's got to be the most run, like runner-centric sport out there, right? I mean, because running is a huge part of it. I would think so. I'm sure they cover several miles, you know, per match. I mean, I can't even imagine really what they what, and, what that was like. But I'm and sure the it's pretty speed, <clears throat> the speed of the game at the professional level is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome, good. man. It's pretty inspiring to watch for sure. I think I have a theory that you could line up <clears throat> some of the. Uh, I don't know the positions, but you know the the guys who are typically like the scores the fast ones mm-hmm. you can line them up in an NFL game and their speed would would compete with NFL wide receivers i would think so i mean i don't know what happened when they ran into one of those guys but yeah, yeah. so i think mean, yeah, <laughs> i think they've got like 4440 speed out there probably at least that's yeah. crazy it's <clears throat> crazy well um, so you guys are new in Corsicana mm-hmm. you moved here recently and uh, you've been involved in, I don't even know what the right word is. I'm going to say charitable organizations, mm-hmm. but that's not really, that doesn't really fully encompass what you've been a part of. They're really organizations that are built around communities mm-hmm. to help provide services for folks who are in need. Sure. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think a lot of my work has been, you know, with kids and youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've told you, you know, before I started out, you know, as a youth minister, actually. You went mm-hmm. to college, to Bible college, came out, and you worked with youth in church setting for a while. Right. Then after a while, um, just, you know, thought that my skills might be better utilized in, you know, a 
parachurch type setting. Right. So I went back and got some more education and then went to social work. And so I've done a lot of work in the foster care system, um, various organizations that serve kids and their families. So <clears throat> how is that? What's the primary way that it's different from what you experienced as a minister in a church? Hmm. You know, I, I'd like to say, you know, that in ministry you see every side of people, but I think sometimes you don't. You know, as a minister, I think you also know sometimes people come in and feel like they have to have their church face on, right? Right. they got to have their stuff together. That's right. That's right. Because mm-hmm. we're all perfect, right? All those Christians. we <laughs> oh, got it yeah. all figured out. So, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as a social worker, you know, when you're in people's homes, you know, when you're seeing kind of behind the scenes, it can get kind of rough, man. You see real life there. And not that we don't in church, but I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And, you know, I always say, I think I saw both the best and the worst of humanity in my social work years because you see people who are you know want to give their time and their resources and just help people out of their situations whether it's kids adults families whatever and then you also see people who are perpetrating you know abuses and things and and most of those folks you know themselves come from a cycle of generational abuse and things but it's rough man where did you develop a heart to i'm i'm just going to say that's the that's kind of where the rubber meets the road you know that's mm. the nitty-gritty that's getting your hands really dirty where did you where did you develop a heart to be that involved because most people want a healthy distance between the ugly mm. stuff mm. most people want an arm's length kind of love for their community what made you want to get into the nitty-gritty messes of people's lives it's mm. a good question um you know i didn't grow up a christian but, you know, I had a grandma who took me to church, you know, whenever I'd be willing to go. And so she'd take me, you know, to youth group or I'd go to a church camp here and there in the summers. And I think just those experiences really just not only drew me to Christ, but drew me to just, you know, the need for from an early age and from, you know, the beginning of life for kids to be raised up, you know, towards something bigger than themselves. And so after I became a Christian as a teenager, you know, I really just focused on mentoring others, whether that's in my own youth group or these church camps and things I'm talking about. And so I think I knew pretty early on that, you know, my desire and my skills were definitely to, you know, pass that on. And right. what better way than working with youth, you know? And so just working with kids has always been my passion. And I don't think, you know, as a you know teenager and then even as a young college kid, I knew what that would entail all the way. But... Right. I just, I can't imagine doing anything else in my life besides just being down, as you say, in the trenches on the front lines with people, just living life. Because to me, that's what Jesus did, you know? Yeah. Jesus wasn't, you know, sitting in a temple or, you know, in a church and just like, you know, preaching to people. He did that, but he also lived life with folks. And I just, I'm honored to be able to follow that example. I mean, I hope I'm following it. I don't know, man, but I try. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're fighting an uphill battle in a lot of ways because mm. most of what you're dealing with, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most of what you're dealing with are cycles mm. of poverty, of abuse, of, you know, and then some, oftentimes these are generational mm. cycles that have been going on for years and years and years with, with grandparents and parents mm. and now with kids who are having their own kids. Um, how do we break those kinds of cycles? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, and that is the real challenge because, you know, I think the Bible speaks about this. Sometimes we don't, you know, read the word in certain ways, but when the, the Bible talks about generational sin or the curse, you know, of my sin being revisited upon my children of the third and fourth generation, 
That's not God saying, well, I'm going to throw lightning bolts at you and your kids. That is the natural result, I think, of my sin and my brokenness. Mm -hmm. And we all deal with that, right? Mm -hmm. But so I think to answer your question, it has to start, you know, with a faith and a foundation and something bigger than myself. And I, you know, I think for obviously you and I as Christians, that's Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. everything he's done for us. But trying to impart that to folks, you know, who may not know where their next meal's coming from or might be afraid of what their dad's going to do once mom goes to bed tonight or whatever, you know. I think that's the real challenge because they're just trying to survive. So this pie in the sky, oh, yeah, Jesus loves you. That can be kind of difficult for people who don't have the comforts that you and I might experience. So, again, I think that's where doing life with people gets really important because it's easy to preach. It's hard to to actually live it. Right. And this is is not just an occupation for you. I know from our conversations— you've probably had to deal with your own issues like this, your own maybe generational cycles or whatever, mm. and have have had to deal with bondage in your life that you've had to, you know, go to Jesus to, to get freedom from. And mm. so, you know, one of the things, I hope this is okay to talk about, one of, the, one of the things that you mentioned to me before is that Celebrate Recovery has been a big part of your life. Oh, you, absolutely. You feel comfortable talking a little bit oh, about man. that and how you got yeah. involved? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, just briefly my story. You know, I, you know, as I said before, was not raised in a Christian home. And, you know, my parents were both addicts. And, you know, they were involved in some pretty rough stuff. And I actually didn't live with my parents for the first few years of my life. I lived with the grandma I mentioned earlier because mm-hmm. they were just out doing their wild living and, you know, doing what they wanted to do. And when I did eventually get back with them after they cleaned themselves up, um, there was a lot of healing that had to take place there. Um, you know, even people get clean from maybe a substance or some kind of addiction, there's still a healing and growth process that has to take, take place. And so there's a lot of lumps as a kid growing mm-hmm. up, you know, in a family that, you know, is former addicts. And so, yeah, I think... My parents did the best they could, but, you know, there was a lot of stuff instilled in me, you know, that probably doesn't work that well once you become an adult and trying to start your own family. So a lot of self-consciousness issues, a lot of, you know, codependency issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, quite frankly, I mean, anger. Mm -hmm. Not that, you know, I'm going to go punch you out kind of anger, but just a lot of my memories were, you know, my parents just fighting and screaming. And so when that's example for you, you know, when you get in your own relationships, you know, you kind of do what you saw. And we all say, right, I'm never going to do what my parents did. I'm going to do it better. Right. <laughs> and we all try to do that, but inevitably it creeps in. And so in my relationships as a young adult, you know, as a young husband, as a young father, that was definitely an issue for me. Mm-hmm. And it took me, you know, quite frankly, you know, losing a marriage and um, having me, you know, not around my kids for a time to really realize that, you know, I need to change some things about myself. And so, I mean, it's been a few years ago now, but yeah, Celebrate Recovery, man. For those who have may not heard about it, it's essentially a 12-step program, but, you know, it's with Christ as a center because mm-hmm. AA, NA, any of those, you know, you name your higher power, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Um, and Celebrate Recovery, we're naming Jesus as our one and only higher power because without him we cannot fix or change any of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, as you call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. I've been going to Celebrate Recovery for... Mm, six or seven years and I'm very grateful for that that's a weekly thing for me that's not something I'm ever going to outgrow or be done with you know mm-hmm. and just like you know folks go up and take their chip for their two years of sobriety you know I, I take my chip I'll get my four year chip in, in August for you know 
just really starting to recognize, you know, my anger issues, my codependency, my self-worth. And you know, we all throw those words around, but when you really get down into the nitty-gritty of those things mean, it's really difficult to function on a daily basis because you're always in the back of your mind worrying about what people think about you, right. trying to please people, yeah. you know, and then a lot of times underneath the surface just raging. Right. And that's, it sucks, man. But yeah. I'm just grateful for the support of that community. And, and I just want to try and bring awareness to the fact that, that kind of stuff's okay, you know. Yeah. Um, having anxiety issues, having depression, having all these things that are kind of bad words in Christian circles because they're supposed just to trust God, right? He'll fix right. it for you, which yeah. God will fix it for us. But I think we have a very integral part to play in our daily lives, and that's recognizing our issues and, I think, seeking the appropriate help. And that's awesome. So I appreciate you sharing about it, <clears throat> first of all, and being open with us. Yeah, man. And, mm. I mean, I mean, think about how miraculous it is where you've come mm. that now you're on a public forum doing a podcast yeah. for a, for a guy who's had, you know, self-esteem issues and self-worth issues, that's a big deal. Hmm. So, I appreciate you overcoming all of that and being here because It's all Jesus, man. I can't take any credit. So, Yeah, and there are hmm. people who need to hear it. There are so many people who need to hear that we all have our junk hmm. and, you know, that we need help coping with this life. Well, especially as leaders, you know, of our mm-hmm. churches, of our families, of our ministries, I think it gives people permission to be like, not okay sometimes, you know. Yeah. I've heard you say that before, and I just, I, I appreciate that so much because, again, just this perception of, you know, the church and pastors, I think sometimes the outside world just views us as we're supposed to be perfect, and, you know. And where do but, you think that lie started, that, man. that church was a place to come and cover up and hide and mm-hmm. put on a put on a mask, put on a good face. Where do you think we got that idea from? Man, that's a great question. I know we didn't get it from Jesus, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) I don't know, man. I think it's just something innate within us as humans because any human institution, you know, I mean, the church is God's, but it's made up of people, right? Yeah. And so I think any human institution, I think it's just within our nature to try and, you know, put up this facade like we got all together. And it goes back to, you know, the self-worth issues that we all have. I mean, I, I think we all have self-worth, self-worth issues. Mm-hmm. But I think at the heart of it, it's just this need to belong right. and be relevant. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's every human being's story, you know, at the heart of it. I mean, going back to, you know, the creation. You know, God created Adam and he needed something else. And I, I, I love thinking about that. You know, like, God wasn't enough for Adam. And God knew that, so he had to create something for, sorry, someone for him to be with. And I think that's our, that's our human story, this need for belonging and companionship and when that gets corrupted, then we you know, have to put up these, these walls and these masks and act like it's okay because we can't let someone know because then what will they think of me or right. then they won't want to be around me or whatever it is. You know? yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That's a short answer to a very deep theological question, but I think it's something like that. Yeah, there's a lot there for sure. Um, so let me bring this back around to what you're doing now. Sure. You know, as a guy who has experienced, you know, a long road with your own hurts, habits and hang-ups hmm. now your ministry is to is to work with other folks who are going through generational cycles of struggles and uh, mainly centered around poverty mm-hmm. um, hunger mm-hmm. and uh, shelter you know basic needs yeah yeah so tell us about compassion Corsicana mm-hmm. and tell us about you know what your vision is for this ministry absolutely yeah so compassion corsicana as a ministry has existed for just a few years there's been various groups and things around the community to my understanding for decades you know mm-hmm. trying to you know meet the the problem you know of poverty and homelessness and the other issues 
because I mean, for people who may not realize this, Navarro County, where we where we are, is actually pretty poor. About eighty percent of the community lives at or below the poverty line, wow. and that's a pretty, you know, incredible figure. But that's kind of just the reality of where we are. So, you know, I think compassion exists to try and combat that. You know, we are a Christian ministry, very overt, you know, about, hey, we're here to, you know, be the hands and feet of Jesus. But more than that, and more than just giving people a handout, I think we're really trying to, like, you know, interact with folks and help them, you know, deal with whatever issues they might have in their life so they can hopefully, you know, grow and change and rise out of the cycles that they're in. And that doesn't happen overnight. Kind of like all this stuff we've been talking about. I think sometimes there's a perception that, you know, oh, yeah, just why can't that guy just go get a job? Right, And I think that's just such an errant way to look at things because, again, when you have, you know, perhaps a lifetime of, you know, issues that have prevented you from, you know, being quote-unquote normal, it's not just as simple as, oh, I'll get a job and I'll be fine now, or I'll just do this and everything's fine. It requires significant work. And, again, I think a lot of people, as you said earlier, kind of keep that at arm's length because it's not comfortable, because it's not something you're familiar with. So I think, you know, the best way I can sum it up is Compassion Corsicana. We're here to bridge that gap. Yeah. to partner with the community, with churches, you know, with, uh-huh. you know, the, the alliance here in town, all the different things that we have to try and just help the community come together and help those who really need it. So you have a food pantry? Yes, sir. Um, how many people do you serve approximately per month hmm. through the food pantry? Uh, thousands. Um, you know, I just... I can tell you my yearly numbers from last year because I'm mm. gathering this stuff up right now, so it's fresh in my mind. But, you know, we served about 27,000 households in 2020, wow. and that's to the tune of about 750,000 pounds of food. Wow. Which, you know, that's kind of like a big number, but, you know, people can come over there um, once a month to get their food box, and that's based on your family size, and based on that, that's how much food you get. But then mm-hmm. we also pass out... Uh, you know, pastries, bread products, and, and produce daily for whoever needs it. And that has to have been way complicated through COVID. Oh, man. How, so how are you distributing food now? Yeah, it's funny, man, because I came to this job right in the middle of COVID, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm you know, pretty new you know, in the scene. But what they had set up and what we've continued to do, and I think it's just phenomenal, we have a drive through pantry. So before okay. they had a situation where people could come inside and almost kind of shop and pick out what they wanted. But because of COVID, because of the social distancing and everything, we just have a drive through pantry and it works great. People drive up, you know, and they hand us their ID, we scan them, you know, and they get their box and go on their way. So it's pretty helpful. So you have a food pantry, mm-hmm. you have a, um, a women's shelter or, you know, is that the right word for it, a shelter? It is. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people in the community will know it as the House of Refuge because that's yeah. what it's been called for years since long before as part of our, you know, ministry umbrella. But, yeah, um, it's a place where women and their children, if they have kids, can come. And that's people from any variety of situations. Sometimes they're women who are homeless. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's women who are, you know, trying to get out of the throes of addiction and just kind of need a, a restart. You know, folks who have experienced domestic violence, they can come there and be safe there. And just what an amazing, amazing program that is. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we have some folks who run that. I'm not going to say their name on the air because mm-hmm. I didn't ask permission first. But they're just right. phenomenal, wonderful people who you want to talk about having the heart of Jesus. Yeah. And you have to, to do that kind of work because, again, you're working with folks who, you know, have some rough edges. And it's not just, oh, I've got a house now. I've got a job. So things are great, you know. Right. And I'm just so grateful for our staff there who... I mean, I don't know what else to say. They are just truly being the hands and feet of Jesus to these, you know, women and their children who really just need a safe place and a chance to just breathe 
and then reset in life. How many women can y'all accommodate? Hmm. We can take upwards of about 15 to 20 folks there, but because of the pandemic, you know, we're kind of, you know, doing social distancing and trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, keep the house in a situation where people can still kind of be isolated and not, you know, cross-contaminate too often. So right right now we have three residents and a whole horde of kids. (laughs) So so that's about where we're maxed out until the pandemic kind of calms down. And then you have a ministry through Compassion Corsicana that can help with financial needs, mm-hmm. um, maybe bills that are overdue as far as basic needs like water, mm-hmm. electricity. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's our case management services. And that's kind of, again, where I think the rubber hits the road because, you know, we have case managers who, you know, people will call in. And again, during normal times, people come to our office so they can meet face-to-face with our case managers. But again, like a lot of other things, because of the pandemic, we're doing it remotely. So they can call into our, you know, office number. They'll get assigned to a case manager who will meet with them virtually. And just, you know, basically, what's going on? What do you need? You know, and some, like you said, sometimes it's rent, so I don't get evicted. You know, I need right. to pay my water or electric bill, so I have those basic needs. Um, sometimes it's someone who has nowhere to go, so we'll help them get a hotel for a few days so they can help them make a plan to kind of get on their feet. And, again, it's more than just, hey, here, take this. You know, good luck. God bless. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to, like, you know, help these folks, you know, get their basic needs met first. And then once that has happened, so what can we do to help you, you know, um, get out of the cycle you're in. What can we do to help you find a job or, you know, be, you know, more consistent with your budget and your bills so this doesn't keep coming up. And and I really appreciate that approach because, again, it's not just like, well, here's, here's what you need to help you. I hope you do okay now. Um, right. and, and the Bible talks about that a lot. You know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, here, God bless, good luck. But to, you know, actually continue to do life with folks who need it, I just have so much respect for that. And I think that's also why I'm a part of this ministry. So... Awesome. So you have the food pantry, you have the women's shelter, you have um, the case management aspect of things, and y'all operate a thrift shop mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. The Compassion Corsicana Thrift Store, which is right next to Yeah. You can knock on the wall here. right now and you'd, you'd be there. <laughs> right. We might knock it over. Yeah, we, we might. We might. That's right, man. So how's the thrift shop going? It's great, man. Um, you know, it's, there's a running theme here, pandemic. But so mm-hmm. for a lot of 2020, we were shut down because especially in that arena, you know, with the way goods are changing hands and you worry about sanitization, we had to shut down for a few months. Mm-hmm. But we got going again back in October and going strong now. And, Good. you know, that, that has a dual purpose for the community and for our ministry. Um, first of all, it exists just to give things, not sell, but give things to people who need it. You know, like the folks who we're trying to help. So if you need a mattress or you need some clothes or you need some toys for your kids or some housewares, we're not going to charge you for that. You can come and pick that up and we're going to make sure you have what you need for, to provide for your family. And then for folks, you know, who, you know, are just kind of, you know, walking downtown shopping, that's, you know, another income stream for us to mm-hmm. support our ministries directly. So, and people can donate, you know, anytime they want. You know, we try and take gently or gently used goods and we appreciate anything that people will contribute because that goes directly into, like I said, support the ministry we're trying to do are there times when it's um when it's best to donate sure yeah we're open um tuesday through friday 10 to 2 so anytime during those open hours okay yeah and if it's not during those open hours don't just dump it in the alley please yes thank you (laughs) thank you pastor steve please don't just leave it on our doorstep or sometimes people leave it at the pantry or at our office because we got different locations around town but 
yeah, if you would wait till we're there, that would be very beneficial to us. Thank you. <laughs> my, uh, I took my daughter to the thrift store the other day, nice. and she was so excited. Yeah, we found some real treasures in there. And you can, was, man. There's some stuff it. in there, and we get these antiquers who come in there, man. And they uh, find something. It's probably worth ten million bucks, but we don't know. So right. they walk away with, you know, uh, you know, an antique or you know something from you know who knows what for ten cents. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's awesome, man. It's awesome that all of those. All of those services come together uh, for a real great purpose. I think one of the things that we talked about early on in, because uh, I was a big part mm-hmm. of the um, the coming together of Compassion Corsicana, and one of the things that we talked about is we had all of these um, all these social services in our community. But you had to go all over town to get them, and you had to go to several different organizations to figure out mm-hmm. where you needed to be. And and you may hop to several different churches trying to find who can help you. And so the the initial vision was let's combine a lot of these services because mm-hmm. they go hand in glove with each other. Absolutely. Let's combine them and give people a more streamlined approach to getting help so they're not running all over town. Well, there's no reason to be competing, right? Yeah, yeah. we all got the same purpose. And that's something I really appreciate, you know, about our ministry and really our city as a whole, just the the cooperativeness between, you know, people of faith. Mm-hmm. And you know this is part of the, you know, Harmony Alliance, the Minister's Alliance, but I just love that we have people from every walk and color and, you know, persuasion and, you know, um, Denomination meeting together and mm-hmm. loving Jesus and loving each other and that doesn't happen in a lot of a lot of places. But in a small community like this, that's pretty refreshing to me. Yeah. So, their uh, vision, I think, is a very important thing, but it can be a tricky thing because mm-hmm. a lot of times it starts out with a dream, with a hope mm-hmm. of hey, this is where we can be and this is what we can do. So without holding you too tightly to this because we know that especially in social services and charitable work it's very difficult to sometimes see things Mm. to completion and you're dependent on a lot of different variables but as best you can tell us what your vision is for Compassion Corsican and what you hope to see that maybe you're not able to do now Mm. but you hope to see down the road yeah this is your gotcha moment right here, Pastor Yeah, Steve. yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's on camera, guys. You heard it first. Uh, you know, I have a, a few things that I'd like to see happen. I mean, you know, kind of like very practical and also big picture. Yeah. I think practically, you know, we'd like to obviously expand our services. We are a very small ministry. You know, myself and seven staff and a pretty meager budget. But, you know, God's doing amazing things with that, and he'll continue mm-hmm. to grow it. I do believe that. So I'd like to, you know, eventually open some kind of a men's shelter because that does not exist here in our county. Oh, man. So, you know, for these women who are homeless and need a place to go, I can't tell how many calls we get from men who are in the exact same situation. We're like, sorry, man, we can't help you. We can refer you to this place in this county or Dallas or here or there, but we cannot help you here, and that needs to change. And that's going to take some time, but that's a big picture, you know, thing that I'd like to do. I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yes. Um, I'd like some smaller things, like, you know, something that sounds kind of funny, but like a community garden. Because over by our pantry there, you know, we have this huge lot. And if we could, you know, collaborate with the folks who, you know, are in charge of that to build a garden that, you know, the community can contribute to and the people could just come and get their food fresh. Yeah. I would just love to see something like that because, you know, parts of our town, I mean, I think, you know, are, are a bit of a food desert. And so yeah. our location could I help kind of you know, bridge that gap, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
And I think also, man, I'm just, I'm really passionate about compassion. And I don't know how this is going to work yet in what way, but I'd like us to be part, you know, of just bringing some social justice and some unity to our community. Mm-hmm. And some, some racial reconciliation. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're, you know, hopefully u- uniquely positioned to do that because, mm-hmm. you know, we all see color and we all have differences, right? But I think in, in the social work world, when you can't even eat, you're not really worried about that as much. And right. so I think we have, you know, an opportunity. And I believe this is straight from God to, you know, hopefully work with everybody. And regardless, you know, your race, your religion, wherever you're coming from, we want to help you. And if that can allow us to, you know, bridge out to the larger community and be a voice for that, I, I would personally really like to see that happen. I don't know what you think about this, but I think maybe the biggest barrier to that is trust Hmm. and so what i would like to see is that compassion corsicana would be a trusted source of help yeah for everybody absolutely and that takes time and and again i think part of it too is i'm very new to the community so Mm -hmm. i'm a a guy who tries to you know patiently do things i don't come with a wrecking ball (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i think my goal has been since i've been here you know just to connect with community leaders and individuals in the community and just start you know like you said building that trust Mm -hmm. and whether that's here on the other side of the train tracks because it's literally in this town the other side of the tracks you know the south side where Mm -hmm. because this is a pretty segregated area yeah and so it's going to take some time and some trust building i completely agree but i'm committed to that and i know you are and i know a lot of people in this community are so i think the the foundation has been laid i think it's going to take some time and some patience and some help from god and i believe he'll help us with it man because he believes in it i agree and i think some good progress has been made just just this year you know through harmony alliance Mm -hmm. absolutely other things i'm very encouraged and hopeful for the future and and really glad that you're a part of this thing man you're Mm -hmm. uh you're a breath of fresh air i think the hardest part of seeing um a ministry like this an organization like this the hardest part of of uh, seeing where it's come is that it's been difficult to find um, it's been difficult to find people who are uniquely suited for the leadership hmm. that is required in this and we have had some great leaders and it's like every leader along the way hmm. has brought it to the point where it needed to go at that time and now you've come in and I'm just excited about your leadership. I'm excited about your ideas and your style. I'm hopeful that this will become the ministry that we all kind of envisioned, mm-hmm. you know, when we when we first started talking about it. And really excited about the work you're doing. So thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks for being so open with us today and sharing everything, man. It's been a, a really cool story. <laughs> it's the only way to do it, man. So looking forward to uh, to the next chapter in the story here in Corsicana. Amen, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe. And if you'd like to spread the word, please consider leaving a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Our video podcast is available on our Grace Community Church YouTube channel. This Is My Story is produced and engineered by Jake Moore and is a ministry of Grace Community Church in Corsicana, Texas. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the speaker and do not necessarily express the views of Grace Community Church. Thanks for listening.